Brother Ron got me all excited, you know. I, I wish he would come home with me sometime and, you know, wake me up in the morning. Okay, let's get up. Okay, God is on your side. Hallelujah. Or you can just play uh, uh, the video, the Facebook video, and that way you can uh, hear him wake you up in the morning. Amen? Uh, I wanted to mention that the, the children and the youth, they have uh, a little outline that they bring home. And so it's good for you parents to quiz them and see how they're doing, if they're learning and absorbing and able to spit back what they've learned. Because that's the way you learn, by speaking it out and rehearsing what God has taught you. Instead of just leaving it at church, you bring it home. Amen? So encourage your kids to follow the Lord all the days of their lives. Amen? Kind of excited that Charles was having uh, commissioning as a youth pastor. Didn't know that that was going to happen uh, way back when, when he was a youngster. But here we are, and uh, at 36 or 7 years old, he's going to follow in his father's footsteps, which is actually the Lord's footsteps. And so I'm excited about that. We're going to have a good time. A lot of fun. Amen? Amen. So let's pray for today. I'm excited and grateful to God for the opportunity this day to come back and teach on I Will Fear No Evil Part 2. Amen? So join me in prayer. Lord, we come today asking for your words to speak to us concerning overcoming and living above the limitations of fear in our lives. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Help me speak your word. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can talk back here, you know, you don't have, it's not like a, one of those churches where you have to be quiet, you know, you can shout out, go ahead, preach it, pastor, yeah, talk to me, Lord, okay. We're talking about fear today. Anybody know anything about fear? Okay. Now, the Webster's definition of fear means an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger, fear. Look what the Bible defines fear as. It's, am it's amazing. It almost scares me to read it. It says, fear is a panic that grips a person, causing him or her to run away, to be alarmed, to be scared, to be frightened, dismayed, filled with dread, intimidation, anxiousness, or apprehension. Oh, no. We, that's not that's not becoming a child of God, is it? No, God doesn't want his people to be in fear. What does the Bible say? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and strong mind. And it is a spirit. I can tell you, I was at a men's retreat one time, and I was leading it, and uh, I was in my bed, and I was praying, and I could feel the spirit of fear come through the camp. It was like, you know, those cartoons where you see like a little cloud and, and it would be moving. I could actually feel it come and I go, get out of here, spirit of fear. I don't need you in the name of Jesus. But I got up and I addressed the, the men and I said, men, the spirit of fear came through the camp last night. Did anybody feel it? About 10 people raised their hands. Because the spirit of fear was trying to capture people before they got down from the mountain because they, the things that they had learned, they needed to enact it in their lives. And they were, he was trying to catch them before they got bold and come down and start telling you know, uh, their circumstances to leave. So do you realize that God told us to not be afraid or be not uh, fearful over 350 times in the Bible? 
Can you imagine that? 350. Why does he have to say it so much? Because we naturally want to fear. We don't know what is going to come. We, we anticipate things. We want to know the whole story right from the beginning. Tell us exactly, pinpoint what's going to happen. No, you can't do that. You have to trust in the Lord all the way as you go. Praise God. So there's a reason why God doesn't want us to fear, because we can't fulfill his promises if we're locked up, tightened up by fear. Now, usually this is based on something that's coming at you that you don't understand. Our fears are rooted in uncertainty. Life is uncertain, isn't it? We, we look at the future. We look at the way the economy is. We look at our nation. We look at things that we're facing, this uh, post-COVID era. What's going to happen? I don't know, but I got the Lord on my side. Amen? So we don't want the spirit of fear to come upon us. So we have to believe like David did. David had a lot of things coming against him. You know, he's running away from Saul. His own son took the kingdom away from him. But he said, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I have the Lord by my side, okay? So fears can cause anxiety. They can cause, cause stress and paralyze us and keep us from moving. What kind of fears am I talking about? Fears about being sick. <laughs> you heard about the, the guy that was... Uh, paranoia, what is it, uh, when, you, when you're fear that you're going to be sick all the time, what is that? Not paranoia, but uh, psychosomatic, uh, no, what is that other word? Hypochondriac. Did you, did you see what the, the hypochondriac put on his, on his death certificate or, or his plaque at the, at, the, at the mortuary? He said, I told you I was sick. <laughs> but when those commercials come on, we turn them off. I mean, every week there's a new, th new disease. You know, oh, I didn't know I, I have fear of that. But, but here's some of the fears. Fears of being sick. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of making a mistake and being exposed. Fear of being alone and never marrying. Fear of not having children. Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. Fear of not being liked. You ever have that fear? I hope they like me. <laughs> well, if they don't like me, they don't like Jesus, right? Fear of dying. I'm not afraid to die. I, I just don't like the way you have to go. I mean, I wish <laughs> there was an easier way. My wife says, I wish we could just push a button and say, okay, beam me up and go. But no, you have to go through the torment of your body being sick. But I think you can ask the Lord, Lord, take me this way. I know my mom, she said, I want to die at home. I want to be able to say that I spent my last days at home. And she did. She came down the stairs and boop, she dropped and that was it. And so you can, you can kind of ask the Lord, Lord, take me this way. So the reason why God says so many times, don't fear, is because it's universal. It's common. We're not immune to it, but God says, I don't want you to fear. Da uh, David said in Psalms 27, despite what's happening all around me, I will not fear. Amen. God ha David had a good attitude about fear, but today we're going to hop into the New Testament and look at Peter and see how he handled his fears. Are you ready to go with me? Amen. Amen. Peter had to overcome the fears of something that nobody else had tried. Do you know what it was? Walking on water. Very good answer, Jerry. I tried walking on water. It did not work. You know? How would you walk on water? Would you like take one step and then see if you have it? Or would you kind of go fast? Or would you skip? Or how would you do it? There's no, there's no blueprint. There's no book for it, right? But Peter did it. 
And, and see, we're going to see it's not just that he walked on water. We don't have to walk on water, but we have to learn how to confront our fears, how to conquer our fears, and then control our fears. It's not about just walking on water. It's about trusting God in situations, hearing his voice, and obeying despite our fears. I know one minister said, you know, just go trembling. Just go through it. Just, just, if you, you're afraid of something, just go anyway. Watch the Lord do. Sometimes we fear more than what is actually going to happen. We think it's going to be so terrible. And you go there, oh, I wasn't so bad. Sometimes you go for a test. You want to go for an MRI or something. You say, like, oh, this is going to be terrible. i got to wear my mask. And it's not that bad. You, you don't wear your mask and you, you get through it. You know, you, like I had surgery one time. And uh, I told somebody, it's easy. You just go there. You sit around. They, say, they give you a little pill. They say, okay, we count from 100 backwards. I mean, most people don't even get to 98. I mean, it's like 100, 99. You wake up. You go, okay, are, are you going to do the operation? It's done. In fact, pick up your stuff and get out of here. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Praise God. So let's look at this passage. In Matthew chapter 14, we're going to talk about Peter walking on the water. Now, what had happened was Jesus had multiplied the loaves and the fishes, and he fed the 5,000. And they were so excited. Oh, Jesus, we don't have to work anymore. We don't have to do any farming or fishing. All we have to do is have you multiply the loaves and the fishes. So they wanted to make him king. And so Jesus said in this uh, first slide, uh, as I read it, it says, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now, in one translation, it says, Jesus insisted. He compelled. He, he constrained. He made them get in the boat. And I'm sure they were afraid. Like, Jesus, last time we went on the boat ride, remember you were in the back and the storm came up. We had to wake you up. We don't want to go alone in the ocean again. And Jesus said, you need to go on, okay? He insisted. Have you ever had the Lord insist on you to do something? Yes. Amen? Yes. Well, maybe all of you are so obedient that you don't have to have the Lord. But I, I asked the Lord one time to send me to a church where I could learn and grow. And so he sent me to this church and in Pasadena, and I really enjoyed myself the first day. And so I said, well, I'll come back sometime. And after a month's time, I kind of went off into sin, and I said, no, I better get back to church. So I said, Lord, I, I need to go back to church, but I'm going to look around a little bit. And the Lord very sternly told me, you asked me for a church. I sent you to a church. What do you need to look around for? I said, okay, sir. And I went back, and I stayed there 18 years because the Lord knows where you're supposed to be, your gifts, your talents. What I didn't realize is he was preparing me to help them get out of debt. They were $130,000 in debt. I had learned how to get out of debt my own self, trusting and believing in him. So he said, I'm going to put you there to help them. I didn't know that, but I was messing up the whole program, though, because I want to just check out and see where I sh should go. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so my question is, how did Jesus dismiss 5,000 plus women and children? That's hard to do, isn't it? What do you say? All right, y'all, time to go home now. Get out of here. You know, pick up your stuff. Let's go. And so he did that. And why did he do that? He went to, in slide 42, it says he went, sent the multitudes away. He went up to the mountain by himself to do what? Pray. Pray. 
<laughs> and sleep for us, right? <laughs> no, he went to pray all night. No matter how busy you are, no matter how many things you have to do, you have to go and pray. I heard one minister say, boy, he woke up in the morning, he said, it's such a busy day, I got so much to do, I better pray. <laughs> Most of us just go right into doing stuff and forget that the Lord will make your way, you know, prosperous and with ease. So they prayed. Now, Jesus is up in the mountain. He's praying. The disciples are in the boat, in the middle of the sea. Tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. What does that mean? The wind was coming against them. They were rowing and rowing, and, but they weren't getting anywhere. They got to the, they've been rowing for six or seven hours. Jesus sent them away. They're in the middle of the ocean. You ever feel that way? You're rowing. You're believing God. You're praying. You're working. You're doing things, and it doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere. It seems like you're in the middle of the ocean. Praise God. In your job, in your marriage, in your ministry, you're praying and believing God, and it seems like you're standing still. But what are the disciples to do? There's nothing. Jesus said, go to the other side. They can't turn back and go back and do, go where they were. Jesus said, what are you doing here? I told you to go to the other side. In your marriage, you can't say, well, I was doing good, but you know what? Just not working out. Well, get back there and work it out. And do whatever you have to do. Apologize. Pray. You know, I, people ask me all the time, how do you stay married for 37 years? It's easy. Just do everything your wife wants you to do. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Same thing with the wife. She does everything the husband wants to do. There's peace. Even if you're tired, you get up and you go move the boxes or do whatever you have to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, I, I've been in ministry. We were at a community center for 12 years. 12 years in a community center. People asking, okay, Pastor Chuck, uh, are you going to get a church? Yes, we're going to get a church in the name of Jesus. But I just kept rowing and rowing contrary to the wind. It looked like nothing was going to open up. And all of a sudden, God showed up and we're here. Praise God. I heard a minister tell another minister. Actually, it was, uh, they asked Chuck Smith, what would you tell yourself if you were a young minister? What would you tell yourself to get through life? He said, just keep the course. Whatever you're doing, just keep going and doing what God has called you to do, and he will show up. Praise the Lord. Amen. So in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, a lot of people, when they depict this, they, they leave that little part out. They cried with fear. The apostles, the great apostles, ah, ah, it's a ghost, oh, hell, oh, John, oh, what are we going to, that's not becoming an apostle, right? <laughs> There's no crying in ministry. <laughs> They're holding on each other. Yeah. Did they believe in ghosts? I don't know, but they didn't believe that Jesus, they went, Jesus was in the mountain. Now we're here. Where's Je they didn't believe that Jesus would come and help them. Do you feel that way sometimes? Where is Jesus? Jesus was watching them, and they came on the fourth watch, which is between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. And they were tired. You, are you tired of, of believing God and going through? One lady told me, she says, man, it seems like these days are just one after another. Just keep, they just keep coming. Yeah, and you just keep going. You just go through them and do what you're supposed to do. Amen? So... 
Uh, I'm sure the disciples said, where have you been, Jesus? It was nice, nice that you showed up, but would you have come a little bit earlier? You know, did we have to do all this? And <laughs> but immediately, Jesus spoke to them, because they were afraid. They didn't know. But he said, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. <laughs> be of good cheer. What are you talking about? We're in the storm. We're not getting anywhere. And you come, and that word, it is I, translated, if you look in your Bible, it means I am. I am is here. That's the word that God used for himself when they asked Moses, well, who sent you? He said, the I am that I am. In other words, he always was, always will be. He's always there. Whatever you need, I am whatever you need. You need healing? I am he. You need provision? I am he. Whatever, you need peace in your relationships? I am he. Amen? The great I am is here. Be of good courage. Take courage. Do not fear. He keeps telling. What are you fearful about? I'm here. I was always here with you. I was watching you. Amen? Then Peter, are you ready for this? Uh, this is so amazing. Peter asked the, the craziest question. He said, uh, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. What is Peter thinking? He should have said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Could you save us? Could you come and calm the sea like you did in Matthew chapter 8? That was so wonderful. No. He said, let me try that. Well, why would he say something like that? He just saw Jesus multiply the loaves and the fishes. He, he, he saw Jesus give him power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He probably thought, this is part of the package. This is wonderful. Okay, multiply loaves and fishes and walk on water. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know why he would say that. But um, he commanded him to walk on water. And he knew, this is amazing, he knew that if Jesus said it, it was going to come to pass. If he commanded it, it would come to pass. Do you believe that when Jesus speaks to you in your heart? He, he says, you're going to do this, you're going to accomplish this, you're going to get this job, this is going to work out for you, just be calm, be, don't be afraid. I am is here. And if he spoke it, will he not bring it to pass? Let's look at this in Psalms 33, verses 8 through 9. This is amazing. It says, let all the people of the word, world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded it, and it stood firm. Talking about the earth. He commanded it, and it came forth, and it stays the same way. The sun doesn't say, I'm tired, I ran out of steam, I can't shine anymore. Hebrews 1.3 says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. His word is still active. It's still causing the earth to rotate. It's still causing the stars in the sky and the, everything to be orderly. What kind of power are we talking about? Big power, right? Same power you have when you speak. God said, I'll back you up. And so Peter said, you know what? Bid me to come. Speak it. Now, one thing I had, to, I was in meditating this. You know, it's good to meditate because you get into things. Peter must have known something about the way Jesus' nature is. Why didn't he say, Lord, if it be your will, command me to come? It, it, that, that's what some of us pray, right? Lord, uh, I'm just so humble and...
if it's okay with you. No, he said, hey, command me. You command me and I will do it. Praise God. Whatever God puts in your heart. Because Peter saw, he said, he saw Jesus. He was so excited about when people use their faith. Your faith has made your whole. As, as you have spoken, let it be done unto you. What are you speaking over yourself? What are you saying? What are you commanding things to happen? And they take so long sometimes. I got a little cut over my eye, five stitches. Every day I look at it, I command it. You're healing in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and it looks back at me and says, no, I'm not. <laughs> I said, yes, you are. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, you are. <laughs> and my wife says, you can barely see it. I go, I can see it. And I'm commanding it to be healed in the name of Jesus. So the first thing we have to learn is that we have to listen to the voice of the Lord. Peter listened to the voice of Jesus. And when he commanded it, it came to pass. He spoke it, and it came to pass, right? Now, uh, I was going to say one thing about that. Is um, when he commands you, when you command something to happen, Jesus said, or, or the Lord says, command ye me concerning the works of my hand. Now, Jesus could have said, listen, Peter, I'm the son of God, okay? This walking on water stuff, that's out of your league, okay? That's something that really, you're still a disciple, you're still learning, just stay in the boat. He didn't say that. What did he say? Come on. <laughs> just one word, come. One word from God can change your life if you hold on to it, if you believe it. Let's look at this, where it says, in slide 51, it says, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was what? Afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. This is the quickest, shortest, briefest, most powerful prayer you can make. Lord, <laughs> Save me. <laughs> you ever prayed that one? <laughs> you don't have time to go through the scriptures. You don't have time to quote any. Save Oh, Lord, help. Oh, save me. When you're driving and a car's coming at you, say, oh, Lord, oh, Jesus, help me. Right? But that seemed to work. Because what did Jesus do? He didn't say, you know, Peter, let me see what we got up here. Let me see, we have a, do we have Peter? Why? Okay. He didn't say, Peter, you know, uh, I told you you, should, you shouldn't have done that, you know? You, you messed up. Uh, anybody else? Thaddeus, Matthew, you guys want to try it? <laughs> no, the Bible says if you fall, Jesus will what? Pick you up by his mighty, righteous hand. And I like this. I don't know if we have the verse here, but he reaches down and picks him up with one hand. What kind of balance is this to be on water and one hand pick up Peter out of the out of the See, and he didn't carry him into the boat, right? He walked with him to the boat. So you might feel like you're sinking. You might feel like, Lord, I'm not doing right. I'm looking at the wrong things. I'm falling. But the Bible says what? He began to sink. Come on, talk to me. What is that? Began to sink? You either sink or you don't, right? <laughs> you don't begin to sink, but he was slipping down. Do you feel like sometimes you're slipping down? I'm doing everything I can, Lord, but it seems like I'm falling. Uh, Lord, help me. Save me. Oh, okay, he'll pick you up, right? Amen? You can't give up. See, uh, think, beginning to sink in the Greek, that's what it was saying. It didn't reach completion yet. He was able to still speak out. Now, Peter had seen people 
that tried to walk on water or tried to go in the ocean, and what do they do? Plop right down to the bottom, but not in this case. So we're going to look at a couple of things about why, uh, uh, three things that we have to overcome. One is past precedence. We have to confront our fear because other people may have fallen, may have slipped into the water. Doesn't mean that you are, right? right? So other people have started businesses. That doesn't mean that you're going to fail in yours. Other people have gotten, gotten married. 50% of the people that get married get a divorce. That doesn't mean you're going to get a divorce. No, you have to believe that what, even though no one else has walked on water, Peter said, I can do it. I, I want to give you a little example. My son uh, here is, is a lawyer now, and, but when he was younger, he said he was going to be a lawyer. And I thought in my mind, that's out of our league. Come on, you know. I'm a salesman. My wife was an HR consultant. My dad was an airline mechanic. My wife, my mom worked as a retail sales rep. Doctor? A lawyer? Astronaut? What? You know, out of, but he kept going through, kept doing, going through all the steps, all the hurdles, and he finally made it. Praise God. So we have to believe that just because other people have failed. How many people didn't become lawyers in your class? There are some. How many people wanted to be lawyers and didn't even get through, didn't even apply, amen? In fact, I can remember when, when, when Charles was uh, getting ready to go to law school, he said, you know, I think I'll take a little time off, just relax, and maybe I'll get to it, maybe I won't. I go, oh, no. <laughs> You've been saying this too long, amen? You might be sinking, but we're going to get you some help. So we called a, a friend of ours who was a... Who, you know, dealt in prophecy, and I said, can you pray and ask the Lord to see what, you know, is in store for my son, and he prayed after we got off. He said, you know, just tell your son to go th through it, enjoy himself, and he's going to be a lawyer. I see him on the front row with papers helping you out, and sure enough, it came to pass. So when you feel like you're sinking, get some help from the Lord. Get a word from the Lord, amen? So, and then the other thing is, first, you can't look at other people's failures. You can't think that you're not worthy enough. Peter didn't say, you know, I don't think I'm worthy enough. He said, no, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Jesus is worthy. Jesus makes me worthy. So whatever you're trying to accomplish, believe that God is going to give you that boldness and that uh, ability to do it. I'm looking at Raina. Raina, she sings here on the praise and worship team, but she's had to do a lot of work to get there. She went to Citrus College. She took some courses, classes. She's practicing. She's building herself up to do what uh, someone else said. Well, I can't do it. She waited a long time. She waited through COVID. She waited through all the times that we were out on the, on the parking lot. And now she's doing it because she stayed steady. She said, I'm going to do this. Praise God. So first you have to conquer or you have to confront your fear. Look at it and say, I don't care what it looks like. I know. I don't care what other people have done. I don't care about it, whether I'm worthy or not enough or if I have enough ability. God gives me the ability. God gives me the anointing and the power to do it. But the second thing is you have to conquer it. You have to get out of the boat. Amen. You have to get off the couch. Amen. You got to get out there and do stuff. Praise God. And so, so the way you conquer fear is to go ahead and do what you thought you couldn't do by taking the first step. How did Peter take the first step? I don't know. Just seemed like he just walked on water and he was walking. But in the middle 
of walking, he thought he couldn't walk on water. That, that seems kind of strange, isn't it? I'm walking on the water, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but I don't think I am. <laughs> I'm in a marriage, I, I'm doing the best I can, it doesn't seem like it's working, but you're in the marriage, okay? You can make it work out with the help from the Lord. So you want to you uh, confront your fears, you want to conquer your fears, and the third thing that you want to do is you want to control your fears. When you think that you can't do it, you have to keep continuing and believing that you can. You can't let yourself uh, be discouraged by the situations that you're facing. Amen. I kind of went through the last part kind of fast, but let's skip to the last slide and I'll, t I'll tell you those three things again. And then I want to bring up two points. So the things to remember is you have, you have to have the courage to confront your fears. You ever feel like, you know, I can't do it? You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm not the right person. Maybe I'm not qualified. Confront your fears. Conquer your fears. Do it. Just go ahead and do it. You'd be surprised how the Lord helps you. You know, when I, when I first started ministering, I thought like, eh, you know, I don't know. You know, I just didn't get up and talk to, in front of people and all that. I, I didn't really want to do that. In fact, they said the fear of public speaking is the second most fearful thing to do. You know what number one is? Dying, right. <laughs> so that means if you're not dead, you don't want to speak for someone that's dead, amen? So you conquer your fears. You just get up there and control your fears. Don't let the things that are bothering you affect you. Keep continuing to believe. Now, here's the two things I'm going to leave you with. You ready? Uh, Jesus said to them, O ye of little faith. What? He said, why did you doubt? Now, little faith means underdeveloped faith. It means that you don't have faith enough to overcome the obstacles, that you lack confidence in the day of trouble. We don't want underdeveloped faith. We had faith, but it's not developed. It's not strong. It's not able to conquer and go through situations that you're facing. We, we think everything's going to be rosy. It's not. You go into situations and you have to fight through. Praise God. And the last thing, you ready for this? When it says that the... Uh, do we have that last slide uh, in the scripture? It says that when Jesus got in the boat, here it is at the end, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. How could that happen? You got this storm, six or seven hours, beating against the disciples. They're rowing. They're not getting anywhere. They see Jesus. Peter tries to walk on the water. He did for a while. Then he fell. Jesus brought him in the boat. And the wind ceased. Now, how, what ha, you know what that word cease means? <laughs> you ready for this? <laughs> it means got tired and gave up. The storm that you're facing is going to get tired and give up. The fear that's trying to grip you is going to leave and say, well, we can't bother them anymore. They're just going to go through it. Praise God. You have to go through what you're facing. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we come together to hear your word, that we're know, we know that, Lord, we can overcome every situation that we're facing. We can conquer it, Lord, because you're with us. We don't look at the situation, but we look at your word. We look at what you've promised us, and we believe it will come to pass. So, Father, give us the courage to trust in you, to believe in you, to watch you work in our lives. Though we may fear, we are not being gripped by it. We're going to go through it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil.
For thou art with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, Father, we just thank you that we have that in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all agreed said? Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to take communion right now, but before we do, we want to give an invitation to those that have not accepted the Lord, whether here or at home, if you say, you know, I haven't formally accepted Jesus. I haven't made him Lord of my life. I haven't made him part of what I'm doing. The Bible says, lay our lives down before him, how we adore him. He's worthy of giving your whole life to him. You know, when you get married, you say, uh, for better or for worse, you gave yourself to the other person. How much more? The Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's you, just say within your heart and out of your mouth, Lord, I receive you. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life all the days of my life. And if you're here and you say, you know, I have, I've, I've kind of strayed away, gone a, a different route, and you want to get back on course, get back on path, repeat after me. Say, Father God, Jesus, help me. Help me get back on course. Holy Spirit, guide me. Be Lord of my life and direct me in the ways you want me to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to have communion right now, and Ron and Pat are going to come up. And this is a dedication. Jesus, he went all out. He went all in, didn't he? He gave his body, his blood for us. He said, I will do this so that you can have fellowship with the Father and with me and the Holy Spirit. So he said, with his disciples, before he even did it, he said, I am going to give my body and my blood for you. So we're going to pray over this, uh, these elements. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the bread symbolizing the body, the, the wine, the, the juice symbolizing the blood of Jesus. As we take this, you said to do this in remembrance of you. We do it in remembrance of you in Jesus' name. Amen.